0: Coming back and joining me tonight on Next on the Tee, I'm your host Chris Mascaro, and tonight I've got two great guests that I'm really excited to share with you. First up tonight, I'm going to be joined by 1988 U.S. Amateur champion Eric Meeks. Eric played his college golf at the University of Arizona, won a couple of times during his college career, also helped Arizona to a number one ranking back in 1988. He played on the 1989 Walker Cup team, and he is now the director of instruction at the TaylorMade Golf Experience, where he owns his uh, own golf school in Las Vegas. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more when Eric joins me here in just a few minutes. Following Eric, I'll return host of the show Backspin Golf on ESPN Radio WLXG AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky, and that's Matthew Lawrence. Matthew has become a wonderful friend. You'll remember him from his roles in movies like Eddie and the Cruisers and Streets of Fire, plus on TV in Beverly Hills 90210 and being a part of the cast of the sixth season of Saturday Night Live. Like I say, his show Backspin Golf is, folks, it is just as good as it gets. It airs live Sunday morning starting at 8 a.m. Eastern time. It's a great way to kick off your Sunday mornings. If you haven't checked it out, you really need to. You can find it online at WLXG.com and then you click on Backspin Golf. Matthew's going to be along with me a little bit later on in this half hour. So we've got a lot of great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Team. I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me over the next hour. And as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend, Steve Rondinaro about all the great things they have coming up this fall.
1: Fall golf is gorgeous at French Lick Resort. Oh. Perched on one of the highest points in Indiana, the Pete Dye Course hosted the first ever Senior LPGA Championship this summer. Ask the ladies, the views are spectacular. The venerable Donald Ross Course is looking better than ever as it celebrates its centennial. Go to FrenchLick.com and save with our Hall of Fame package. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort this fall.
0: Yeah, be sure to go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself, folks, how great a place it is and to book your stay. I also want to remind you about our new friends at Kinetic Sports, makers of Club Hub Sensors, the most comprehensive swing analysis and shot tracking tool that you'll find anywhere in golf. If you're like me and you want to know all the data, Related to your swing, you know, your swing speed, distance, you hit every club in your bag, your swing tempo, angle of attack, so much more than club hub sensors are what you need. And guess what? You can get all that data for every shot, whether you're on the course or out on the range. Plus, their iPhone and Android apps have thousands of courses preloaded and mapped out for you. So not only will you be able to get GPS distances to your targets, the hazard, you'll also be able to look and see exactly where and how far you hit each shot that day. Think of what that's going to do for you for your preparation the next time you go play that same golf course. The app will also track the average distance you hit each club, so no more guessing or approximating. Are you ready to improve your game? Are you ready to take what you know about your swing to a new level, either on the range or out on the course? ClubHub is going to get you there. See what they can do for you at clubhubgolf.com and use the promo code NEXT to get 10% off on all their products. Again, that's clubhubgolf.com. We're also excited to welcome the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company to Next on the Tee. The Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company is back with the same great equipment that you know and love without the retail markup that you hate. Now you can buy premium Ben Hogan irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, and bags directly from the factory at factory prices that you're, you know your wallet's going to appreciate, right? Visit them online at benhogangolf.com to order or give them a call at 844-53-HOGAN to learn more about what they're doing. Plus, also check out our friends over at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company. They've got their semi annual going on right now with savings up to 50% off on their polo shirts, sports shirts, trousers, tech shorts, and sweaters. Step up your summer and fall wardrobes with enduring style from the Bobby Jones Apparel Company. See it all online at bobbyjones.com. Plus, while you're in a Bobby Jones frame of mind, go to BobbyJonesClubs.com to see their great line of drivers, Fairway Woods and Hybrids, designed by one of the game's most influential equipment designer, and that's Jesse Ortiz. Like his father, Lou, and Bobby Jones himself, Jesse has a passion for golf and golf club design. Do you remember his great tri-metal Fairway Woods from his days back at Olimar? Well, now he's putting his creativity and his innovative designs to work, creating great golf equipment for the Bobby Jones Company. Check them out online by going to BobbyJonesClubs.com. And folks, if you've been with us over the last several months, you've heard me talking about the great things that Russ Holden and the folks over at Caddy for a Cure are doing. I believe so much in the things that Russ and his team are doing. We're proud to be partnering with them. One of the most you know, unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is now available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded veterans, plus a terrible disease, Fancona Anemia. You're going to get to walk side by side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider. In addition to this amazing experience, you're also going to receive a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, which includes Under Armour logoed apparel, an eyewear package, a tour grade caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin cup ball marking gift, chef's cut real jerky and a professional photograph of your day. So please go online to Caddy for a Cure to learn more. What a wonderful cause and what wonderful people they are all right now joining me on the french lick resort guest line is eric meeks let me give you some background on eric he's from san Bernardino, california played his college golf at the university of arizona where he was a third team all-american in 1988 while he was there he won twice during the 1987 season at the Golf World Invitational and the William H. Tucker Invitational, he helped them do a number one ranking in the 88, which was a banner year for Eric because he won the 1988 U.S. Open in the round of the 36-hole final and went on to shoot 65 for the round, one of the best final rounds ever. Then in the afternoon, he won five of the first six holes on his way to a 7-6 and six victory He defeated two-time amateur champ Jay Siegel in the Friday round to advance to those finals. He also defeated David Toms of LSU in the semis. And on top of all of that, he got an invitation to the 1989 Masters for his win. And he also played in the Walker Cup matches that year, which were played at Peachtree Golf Club here in Atlanta. He turned pro and played on what was then the Nike Tour, now the Web.com Tour, and had a couple of runner-up finishes Uh, early on first in 2001 at the Siouxland open and in 2002 at the price cutter charity championship he also played on the asian tour and finished eighth in their order of merit in 1999 he was inducted into the university of arizona sports hall of fame in 1993 and he now runs the eric meek uh, school of golf and is the director of instruction at the taylor made golf experience out in las vegas and i'm thrilled to have him with me tonight here on next on the tee good evening eric thanks for coming on the show
2: Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: So let's go all the way back to the beginning. I'm always curious, you know, when did you first fall in love with the game of golf and who was the first person to put a club in your hands?
2: Oh, it was my dad. Uh, We grew up in Southern California and he was a, he loved golf. He was an amateur golfer and he, uh, I have a twin brother and he got us, uh, took us out to the golf course. Every time he went to hit golf balls, we'd go out there with him. We'd putt and we'd chip and, um, uh, he got us going in the game but he uh usually when we went out our, our attention span wasn't quite there so we'd mostly go you know chase squirrels or you know things like that out of the <laughs> golf course uh, and then after we got going with it uh you know later on he uh probably around seven eight nine right in there he got us going with some tournaments
0: so, you know, fast forward, I guess, you know, to, you know, your, your time in college, Eric. So how does a kid from San Bernardino end up playing his college golf at Arizona?
2: Yeah. So we had a couple offers, um, I offered to Fresno state and to Arizona. And so, uh, decided to go to, go to, you know, chose Arizona and, and it was really a good choice. Coach Rick, Rick LaRose there. He, uh, you know, we got along well with him. The, the, Team he assembled, um, he brought in Mike Springer from Fresno, California. Mike was an excellent player. Uh, Larry Silvera um, from Northern California. He was one of the top players in Northern California. And then to to finish out the, the team was Robert Gammons from Las Vegas. And so with my brother and I on the team, we we, we ended up being the number one team in the country. Uh, but I, I liked his philosophy. He really expected a lot out of us. He, he you know he constantly uh, told us, hey. You guys are the you know the best team in the country. He uh, put us in the best events, so it was a, it was a very positive experience. And so, uh, especially the last couple of years, the team really uh, played well together. And so some of those guys I'm still good friends with. So I still talk to them. So it's a, you know it really matters who you go to college with. You know who's on your your team to make the uh, experience better.
0: And 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 to that end, Eric, as you talked about and you just mentioned a moment ago. You- right first all, in, right and both get to go and play at arizona together you guys come as a package deal how did you how did you both end up there
2: yeah so we recruited both of us and so actually when i we wrote the coach um, he thought we were one player and so he didn't realize <laughs> it were you know he, he thought we had two uh letters coming in at the same time but and he quickly found out there were, there were two of us and and um, you know, met up with him and took a visit to the school. And, you know, the U- University of Arizona down in Tucson is a beautiful school and, uh, you know, it's just a great place to play college golf.
0: And, Eric, you, you, like I mentioned in your intro, you got a couple of wins in 1987. Talk about the World Golf Invitational. What was it like coming down the stretch for you trying to get your first collegiate win?
2: Yeah, so actually, my first one first was the Tucker in New Mexico, and it was a four day event at the time at Albuquerque, uh, S- uh, New Mexico South Course, which is an excellent golf course, fast greens, tough golf course. And uh, I always could putt, uh, a good iron player, but I was a little erratic off the tee. So once I figured out how to hit the ball straight, then it started happening for me. So I played four solid rounds there, uh, played with Sean Murphy at the, in the final group, he played for New Mexico and ended up winning by a couple shots. I remember it was a relief because I'd worked so hard to get that first college win. And it was just a, a great moment for me. But uh, a couple of months later, I played in the golf world invitational at in, uh, Hilton head. And, um, you know, that the golf course is excellent. golf course. I played the last round with Kevin Leach who was a second team all American at UCLA and uh, Chris Patton from Clemson. So that was my first experience with Chris. Uh, it came out my way that day. I ended up, uh, uh, winning by, I think it was a shot or two. Um, and then the team, we ended up losing by a shot with our team, but it was still seemed like we one Somebody on Arizona's golf team was either winning the event or, you know, and the team was, you know, winning most of the events. So it was a really fun couple of years. We had uh, other multiple winners on the team also.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned Robert Gamez, you know, he had a couple of wins in 87 and two more in 88, three in 89. Talk about, you know, you guys, talk about the talent that you had on that Arizona team. Did you guys feed off of each other? What was it like, you know, as in a team atmosphere, but in an individual sport, how did you guys play off of one another? What was it like working with one another to try to improve your games? Talk about the team aspect of an individual sport.
2: Yeah, it was, we had such, you know, it's really five number one players. And so, uh, you wanted to be number one on the team. You wanted to represent the team. But when you got to the tournament, as long as you were on the team playing in the tournament, you felt like you had to play well because everybody seemed to play well. And so if you didn't play well, there was a lot of pressure to to perform. Um, But it was a good pressure. You know, it wasn't like uh, everybody expected, you know, each other to to get out there and and if it didn't go your way, not to throw the towel in. So, uh, you know, just really pushed me. I know it pushed me and it pushed my brother. So, um, anyway, it was it was a good experience. Sometimes you get on a team and maybe a guy's not is not going his way, they're not not playing through the finish line. And so that never happened in Arizona. We always played through the finish line and and you know usually played well. But you know we had maybe a, a week or two here or there that we didn't you know play as well as we should have. But um, you know it was uh, it was one of those things where you needed to play well or you weren't going to be on the team.
0: And Eric, as you mentioned a moment ago, playing to the finish line, right? I think that's, that's something that's important. You know, my son plays junior golf on his, on his high school team, yeah. right? And you're playing to the finish, right? You, we all have bad rounds. He has a bad round and you start to get into kind of a, a funk. You start to get down on yourself, but every stroke matters, right? I mean, whether you make double or triple, right? It still matters to the team because that's still a stroke at the end of the day for, that the team has to deal with. How did you guys keep up? You know everybody's morale. Of, how did you do that? To let everyone know it's how important it is to play to the end.
2: Yeah, well, I think that you know we have three-round tournaments, four-round tournaments. If you can save a shot or day, a shot or two a day per per player, I mean that really adds up. And then over the year, it adds up. Okay, and so it adds up not only in college golf but in professional golf. I mean your world ranking. Um, and and uh, also, I noticed. My son is just now going to Loyola Marymount down in L.A. He leaves tomorrow, actually. But he just played his last A.J.J. event. And so he had a a bogulous round going, going to the last hole. I'll use this as an example. And he had one more shot, that one, one more swing to make. He hit it down the middle. He had a six iron in at Wilshire Country Club down in L.A. And he kind of jammed up and lost it out to the right, knocked in the water made double. Well, then I told his coach at the time, and said, you know, actually by – Cameron missing that shot making double it's going to turn him into a better golfer later in bigger events you know so um, what you would want to do is obviously uh, you don't want to lose your focus and it's very easy to lose your focus well in amateur golf it's one thing but in professional golf is a whole different thing so if you lose your focus in professional golf coming down the stretch you know, you end up losing your job basically. So you really get to be where well, you're disciplined on Hey, Oh, we finished. Okay. Let me sign my card type thing. Instead of, Hey, I have this, you know, crazy round going and you start tensing up. Well, you didn't do that in the beginning to get to that spot in your round. You know, you, you were focused and you were playing, you know, you were aggressive. So, uh, you know, for Cameron at this last tournament, he'll learn from that move on. Um, in my career, I learned from it. There are many times I messed up coming down a stretch. Well, I could, I lost a long beach match play early in my career, uh, 36 hole final. And so really by losing there, not playing through the finish line helped me win the 1980 us amateur. So, you know, a lot of kids, um, if they fail, they, they don't choose to loo- learn from their mistakes. And so, uh, really when you fail, that turns you into a better golfer. If, if you, um, you know, if you're focusing properly and get it right for the next time. So, playing through the finish line is one of the you know best attributes you can have as a golfer. So.
0: And Eric, you you mentioned a few moments ago, the names of some of the guys that, uh, that you played against during your days at uh, Arizona, who were, who were some of the, you know, the guys that were rivals for you you know, rivals for the team that you had to face, you know, during your time uh, playing college golf.
2: Yeah. Oklahoma state. And they're still good. You know, so, uh they alan bratton's a head coach now uh the back when i played brian watts his first team all-american ej fister he was an NCAA champion uh who else just went down it seems like every player on oklahoma state's team is always solid you know and so we uh we battled those guys um bob may a friend of mine uh went to oklahoma state he's just a little bit younger but he was on the team um and so it just seemed like they were either the number one or two. And so every time we teed it up, any time against Oklahoma State, we were super focused to, to play well. Uh, you know, they wouldn't allow you to play a bad round. You know, otherwise they would beat you. So uh, they were our. Right. We had a tough time. Obviously, we beat them. They beat us. But uh, that was our main rival right there. UCLA ended up winning the pack. We won the Pac-12, uh, Pac-10, excuse me, uh, junior year, and then our. Um, our senior year, Washington, Odie Vincent led the team. They played great. They beat us at the, at the Pac-10, which is, you know, tough to take. And then we went on to the NCAA at North Ranch down in LA. I think USC hosted it. Uh, UCLA, who didn't do well in the Pac-10, they finished eighth to the Pac-10 and ended up winning the national championship that year. So, a uh, couple players over there that I grew up playing golf with blah who won Junior world Kevin leach was a you know a good player second team all american uh Brandt job who's on the senior tour now um you know just a really good solid team but uh you know they, we always we were ranked ahead of them, but we always you know they were were one of one of our rivals for sure.
0: So, Eric, take us through that nineteen eighty eight u s amateur and the and the gauntlet that you had to go through, the talent you had to go through to get to the finals, and then obviously the grueling thirty six hole final. Talk about the the matches you played, the guys you had to beat, and what it was like you know getting through to to that final
2: yeah, so I finished uh college in may uh at the University of Arizona, and I wanted one more shot at the u s amateur, so I stayed amateur all summer to have you know, the one shot at that tournament, uh one more shot at that tournament. And so it, the qualifier was in my home course, friendly hills down in Southern California. And I went out uh, prepared, went out, did the qualifier, shot 76 the first round, but it's par 70. And it's 76 probably one of the highest rounds I've ever played there uh, to that time. You know, it was like uh through college basically. And so I went out there and, and I knew I was in trouble and I went out and shot a 65 in the afternoon just to make it to, To go back to the U.S. Amateur, so it was one of those things of um, playing through the finish line right there, okay? So uh, got back there and finished second in the qualifying out of, I think, 292 guys back there. The good thing was I was paired with Jay Sigal, and Jay Sigal back then was, you know, Jack Nicklaus' Amateur golf. I mean, he won the U.S. Amateur twice. He won everything else two or three times also, and so he was really the benchmark. And so getting to play with him in the in the qualifier kind of took a little bit of pressure off me when I hit match play. I knew I was gonna well after I saw the, draw, the pairings I knew he was in my bracket I was gonna to have to play Jay Siegel in the in the match play. And so if I didn't play with him during the qualifier, you know good chance I'd have got beat right there because I'd have been a little wound up about it. So anyway, I got into match play and then uh, you know first time first round out I played Randy Haig who's you know, really good player from Northern California that year. He finished he a uh, finalist at the Cal state AM. And so, you know, finishing after coming off my good two days of qualifying, you know, I felt pretty good about myself. And I came out there, I got you know, a little flat and I didn't play bad, but I didn't play good. And I was one down with two to go. And then I just had to find a way. I birdied the last two holes to beat him one up. So, you know, there were so many moments in that tournament that I was on the edge of elimination, not only during the qualifying back in Southern California, but in the first round of match play, so then I went on to play Fred Benton in the second round. And I got my stuff together. I played well. I think I won four and three, um, three and two or four and three. And then I, I went to the next round, and I played um, – it was Jay Siegel, And so a little bit nervous again, but again, I had played with him and you know battled him and battled, battled, battled. And I was two down. Uh, made a few mistakes, but it, he played well. Uh, I was two down with one, two, uh, four holes to go, five holes to go. I'm in the front bunker, um, over a ledge. It was a 35 yard bunker shot, and he was up there about 20 feet. It was, you know, it was game over if I didn't get it up and in. So back home, I used to practice that shot all the time. Uh, um, you know, flying the ball 30 yards out of the bunker, knocked it a foot and a half, and then, uh, I think it kind of stunned him a little bit, actually. You know, he would have the hole, um, okay. I'm still still two down. You go to the next. We go to the next hole, long par three. I uh, I got I made a par, beat up some now, and one down, and you know. So then, you know, we go to the next hole and it's a dogleg right. And there's nothing against Jay, but I'm a, it's a dogleg right. You need to be on the left side of T tee to tee it up. So. He he jumped up on the tee, and he made some prior so and I'm thinking, you know, well, I, it's, that's where I need to tee up. So for a young kid, he was trying to push me over to the right side of the tee. And nothing against Jay. I mean, that's totally legal, and, you know, he's not doing anything wrong. He's, you know, good sportsman. But, you know, I I said, you know, it's my tee. I'd, I'd like to, to hit from this area. So I was able to get the angle and then made birdie there. And then, any, anyway, we went extra holes. Came down to a bump-and-run chip shot on the 21st hole. We're, you know, a little, little, you know, running shot. And so we both had it. And he bladed his about 20 feet by. And then I chipped mine up close and, and a, you know, winning the match. And so that was a, a huge confidence booster right there, you know, winning that match. Going into the next match was against uh, Robert Gamers, who's a team of, teammate of mine. I knew I had to play well. Uh, the pivotal point of that match, he was – uh Two thirty out on a, it's is back of what time time a bunch of years so the ball didn't travel as far but two hundred thirty yards out um or two forty I think it was over water he tried to hit a one iron over the water and I knew when he pulled the club out there's no way he's going to get that over the water I was ten yards up ahead of him and and I was going to lay up already and so knocked in the water ended up beating him I think it was two up on the last hole. The toughest match of the bunch was against David Tom's. I, at the time, I didn't know he was first-team All-American. I knew he played for LSU. I knew he was good. Obviously, he's in the semifinals of the uh, of the U.S. Amateur. But that match was to go in the Masters. So, as a ju- young junior, you, you dream of playing in the Masters. So, there's no option of losing that match. You know, so um, we battled the whole day. He was one up, or I was one up, he, and just back and forth, back and forth. And so came down the last hole. He had about a 20 footer. I had about a 30 footer and you could see the stress on my face on the, uh, you know, on the video, but uh, you know, just trying to make it, but I two-putted. want to make sure he had to make his putt. He rolled it by. I couldn't watch because if he misses, I'm in, if he makes, we got to go extra holes. And so he missed. I know he was disappointed and he went on to do great things after that, by the way, but, um you know then i was in and so that was satisfaction right there that was like an accomplishment of going to augusta um the final match was against danny yates and i wanted to just get that there's two people left on the golf course and it's on tv so i wanted to end that as soon as possible do everything i could be as aggressive as i could be uh and i played the best golf of the whole week and i was way under um and then uh ended that match early which is you know, I was happy with, obviously. And then at the time, though, I just wanted to make, I wanted the trophy. I wanted to have, take the trophy home for a year. I wanted to be on the trophy. And, you know, uh, that was the motivation there to to uh, semifinal match, you know, get in the master. But the final match was to um, get your name on the trophy. And so it worked out. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Learned a lot from it. Um, very stressful mentally. And then over the week, I think I lost about six pounds. You know, it's just a lot of golf.
0: So, Eric, as I was sort of reading up on on that final match and, you know, you had a big lead, you know, in in the match. And uh, I read that you started to lose focus a little bit, dreaming about Masters and, you know, getting in there and playing next year with reigning U.S. Open champion Curtis Strange and Open championship Seve Ballesteros. You know, how did did you, you know, you, you lost focus, you lost a few holes in a row. How did you shake that off? Get your mind back on what you needed to accomplish, so you could go ahead and finish it off.
2: Yeah, it's you know great example of now what what not to do for young juniors coming up. Eighteenth hole, uh, I had a twenty footer up the hill. You can't knock up the greens. There's a lot of slope, a lot of speed. My caddy came up to me and said, "Hey, you have this putt for a 63 to break the course record." And so <laughs> I lost my focus. I knocked it past yeah. five feet and missed it coming back. So there's one mistake. Okay. So, you know, knocking maybe a foot and a half past, not five feet past. But there's, so I made uh, one bogey in 27 holes. And that was because of lo- loss of focus. Okay. Then I go into the 28th hole and I would nine up with nine to go. And I started thinking about it. Okay. Well, I have to, you know, I'm playing in the US Open next uh, June with, Curtis Strange and Seve Ballesteros. Curtis Strange is number one in the world, and Sevy's number two, just won the British Open. And so, you know, I, I lost my focus, went bogey, bogey. So walking off the green, I thought – and it was just simple stuff, okay, just, just a little bit here and there, just my little bit of focus. And then walking off the whatever, the 29th green, uh, you know, I told – hey, get it together, start focusing. You're going to be the first guy in history to be 9 over 9 to go and lose – so it's really hard to tie a guy by the way, you know when he starts going the other way. So if you lose your focus. So I made a par on a tough hole and then uh you know won the tournament and my mom and dad were there and it was uh it was you know amazing to be have them there and uh my dad you know started me in the game and you know t- t- heck I couldn't break an egg when I was young and then to watch me progress and you know I can only imagine how it felt for him especially with me having a son that's just going through it now. Uh, pretty special moment at the end there with my parents.
0: And so, as, as you know, as advertised, you get into the, the 1989. You know, tournament. what was it like with the invitation in the mail?
2: So the Masters, it's it's so much hillier uh, than it, she's, it. seems on TV. The greens are a little bit smaller, and they're so much faster. So. And the wind pushes you around a little bit. So if you have a long stroke that floats a little bit and you have a little bit of nerves, your hands are shaking, it's really difficult, very difficult to keep the ball in line. And so I uh, played a bunch of practice runs. I got there, I think, on the Friday before the tournament. I wanted to make sure that I knew the course. And it was um, it was really neat to go over and, you know, hit chip shots on 11 where Larry Mize chipped in or, you know, walking up 18. I used to watch the tournament, like, every year when I was a junior. Um uh, and so, uh, you know, get, getting used to hitting those shots was pretty special. We got to play a bunch of practice rounds. So, play with Marco Miro, play with Gary Player, um, Tom Kite. Tom Kite was great. Got to, you know, just, you know, he just really helped me out out there. And so, one of the regrets I have uh, from that term, he, had, he offered to hey, let's go have lunch after we played. And I had, you know, a whole entourage of people with me, family and friends. But uh, so I couldn't do it. But thinking back, heck, I had an invitation to go bunch, Tom Kite, you know, a veteran, a tour veteran, who, uh, incredible player, incredible career, uh, you know, to pick his brain some more. But he was great out there. I mean, he told me, hey, watch for this, watch for this, you know, that type of thing. And so I'm not sure if that happens anymore, but it's, it's sure he took me under his wing and, and really helped me out.
0: Wow. What a great thing. Eric, before we let you go, let, let our listeners know what you're doing now with the, with the tailor-made golf experience and the golf school that you're running out in Vegas.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I played from 89 to 2009. And so when I came off the nationwide tour, I started the golf school down in Las Vegas, uh, in Las Vegas at the tailor-made golf experience. It's been great. I teach all ages. Um, my specialty is young juniors who want to play college golf and professional golf. And so, uh, work on the physical swing, but also the mental game. And, um, and then their tournament schedule, because it's, so, there's so many tournaments to play out there now, it's, it's a little, uh, you
3: know,
2: mind-boggling where to play. So it's kind of managing their games all the way through college, then into professional golf. But I do teach all all ages. Uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, to do that. And so I played the Senior U.S. Open, uh, not this year, but last year, and then I'll continue to play a little bit coming up here. But, uh, you know, that's uh, that's kind of my passion now, is to get to get the kids who have a dream to to accomplish things in golf to give them a little uh get them going in the right direction and say hey you know do this don't do this streamline your progress you know and uh you know get them to where they they need to go they want to go so it's been a lot of fun
0: yeah that's fantastic so er, er, eric let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and follow you online whether it's you know your website eric yeah
2: so it's a website um you know it's basically the website we do a little on twitter uh but it's mostly website a little bit on Facebook, too, but it's mostly just, you know, on the website, people coming out to see us, um, you know, or, you know, calling in. Uh, there's a number on the website. They can always, you know, if you need to get a hold of me, you can always get a hold of me. Um, but it's ericmeeksgolf.com is the website.
0: Eric, it's it's been great spending some time with you tonight. So many other things I wanted to get into with you, particularly about your teaching style, junior golf, and all those sorts of things. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime because it's been great having yeah, you as
2: part of the show. Yeah, thanks, Chris. It's great being on. All
0: right, take care, Eric. We'll catch up soon. Okay, sure. That is Eric Meeks, and uh, just so everyone can find him online, he spells his name E R I C M E E K S. So Eric Meeks Golf. Dot com And again, what what a stellar career Eric has had in the game of golf and now doing some great things for, uh, for people, you know, picking up the game and junior golfers and all those sorts of things. So many other things I wanted to get into with Eric. So hopefully we'll get the opportunity to have him back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Matthew Lawrence, I want to remind you about our friends over at SinkIt.com. You know how we like to keep things on the positive side here on Next on the Tee and have a positive approach both in life and out on the golf course. Well, we're excited to be partnering with the folks at SinkIt.com. Keep putting that positive thought of sinking the putt in your mind, through their great T-shirts that they have, the hats that they have as well. You know, to win any tournament, you got to sink the final putt, right? We wake up every day to finish strong. Sink the putt, close the deal, work hard, and get better each and every day. Have the confidence to push forward towards your dreams with unwavering passion, and you're going to sink it in life. Check them out online at sinkit.com. I also want to give another shout-out to our newest sponsor, Kinetic Sports, makers of Club Hub Sensors, the most comprehensive swing analysis and shot tracking tool in golf. If you're like me and you want to know all the data related to your swing, your swing speed, distance you hit every club in your bag, your swing tempo, angle of attack, and so much more, then club Hub sensors are what you need. And guess what? You can get all of that data for every shot, whether you're out on the course or on the range. Plus, their iPhone and Android apps have thousands of courses preloaded and mapped out for you, so not only will you be able to get GPS distances to your target, into the hazards, but you'll also be able to look back and see exactly where and how far you hit each shot. Think of what that's going to do for you for your preparation to play the course next time. The app will also keep track of the average distance you hit each club, so no more guessing and approximating. Are you ready to improve your game? Are you ready to take what you know about your swing to the next level, and both out on the range and out on the course? Well, guess what? ClubHub is here to help get you there. See what they can do for you at ClubHubGolf.com and use the promo code NEXT to get 10% off on all products. Again, that's clubhubgolf.com. All right. Now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Matthew Lawrence. You know, Matthew from his many great movies, TV shows, radio shows that he's been a part of. If you like me, And uh, you're a big fan of the movie Eddie and the Cruisers. You'll remember him from his role as the bass player Salamato. He had a reoccurring role in the show Beverly Hills 90210 playing Mel Silver, David Silver's father. He was in the movie Streets of Fire reuniting with Eddie and the Cruisers co-star Michael Cray. He was also in the main movie of Saturday Night Live. He starred in a TV show called Duet with Mary Page Geller back in the late 1980s. More recently, he's been a sideline analyst first for Duke basketball and now for Kentucky basketball. He also hosts his own golf show on ESPN Radio, WLXG Sports Radio, AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky, called Backspin Golf, which, like I said at the top of the show, is fantastic and the best way you can kick off your Sunday mornings. And like I've said many times, if I'm not Matthew's biggest fan, I have to believe I'm in the top five, and I'm honored he's back with me tonight on Next on the T. Good evening, Matthew. Thanks for coming back on the show.
4: I'm, I've joined you. Um, I don't know what I did to deserve this, but I'm most appreciative <laughs> of you being. Uh, you're de- you might be, I would say you might be number one. Even my brother Mitch doesn't like me as much as you do. <laughs> 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 And I appreciate you saying
3: uh,
4: that. <laughs> oh boy, it's great to be on with you again, Chris. Always. Thank you,
0: Matthew. So, Matthew, as you know, you know, I've I've got a standing 8:03 a.m. tea time every Sunday morning listening to your show, Backspin Golf, again on WLXG ESPN Radio in Lexington, which everyone can stream online by going to WLXG.com and clicking on Backspin Golf. So, listening to you, and particularly you and Perry French, your guy from Shrixon, is a complete joy, I love listening to the two of you go back and forth, so talk about you know your your show, the things that you do the you know the guests that you have, and uh you know how everyone can make sure that they can stay up to date with what you're doing over there
4: well i first of all, let me tell you, I'm one of your biggest fans too, and I really appreciate you uh listening every Sunday morning. This show I started doing it I've been in Lexington for eight years. And I started doing the golf show about four years ago because I'm on every day on our drive time show, uh, Matthew and Mikey, here in Lexington on ESPN. And we, of course, I'm in Lexington. So it's basketball 365 days a year. Our football team is going to be pretty good this year. So now we're starting to get excited about SEC football. But the one constant for me all year long is golf. Even in the winter when I'm not able to play, it's always golf. And I just decided I wanted to take an hour every week, and I was lucky enough that they let me do it. And this show has been – I don't even know how to describe it. It's how I met you. It's how – I have made so many incredible friends all around the world, really, Um, Twitter. And the funny thing is I wanted to – be able to have people. T- I wasn't on Twitter when the show started. I refused to be on Twitter. And then I had a very young producer named Eric Matthews, and he said, The only way you're going to be able to connect with people, really connect, is if you're on Twitter. So I started an account, and through that account, um, following people, connecting with people, I have just had the most amazing time these last four years. Um, as, like I say, it's how, how somehow I found you and got you into my life and all these amazing people. And it's much, it's a show about stories. It's not much like your show is. It's not a golf show. We had a golf show in Lexington for a few years and they talked a lot about how to hit lob wedges. And, um, you know, they were good guys, but it, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to introduce our listeners to people from all around uh different charities different like i say much like you do those kind of things things that interested me and i always felt like if if i've been blessed in my life to do a lot of things and meet a lot of people and i always felt like if i found somebody to be really interesting then my listeners would too and that's how it's turned out to be i mean i i think about some of these people i've had on, uh, I'm not sure on your show. For this is a good example. Um, do you know about called No Laying
0: Up? You tell you, you told me about it a couple of weeks I ago. It's fantastic. tell you about yes. it. Yeah.
4: Well, um, this is a guy that when I finally got in touch with him, it turns out he was in the Netherlands and he also is in Dallas and he's fantastic. And for your listeners, again, it's at No Laying Up <laughs> and, um, I got in touch with him and he said he would come on the show and I asked him where he was and he said the Netherlands and somehow we'd used Skype or Facebook Live or something we had this great interview and I've had people like our friend Lisa Longall from Calgary okay. uh pe- people all over the country and it's a, it it is an absolute joy for me to to connect with these people that I ne- I would never have met other than through Twitter. And the funny thing is, and I know you feel this way because it's how I feel about you. We've never physically met, but right. I feel like my, my friendship with you is very real and is one that I treasure. And that's what's happened with a lot of the people that I've had on Backspin Golf. So it's been more... Perry French and I, uh, as you said, Perry is the on Golf, Cleveland Golf rep. For a big area here. And he joins me every week, and he's fantastic. He's just, we talk about all kinds of things. But here's a guy that sometimes I'll say, I have a 50 degree wedge, a great Cleveland wedge, that I went through a period of about two weeks that I couldn't hit. I had the yips from 90 yards with my 50 degree wedge. So Perry and I will sit there and we'll talk about some drills I can do. He's a teaching pro. He's a great teaching pro. And so sometimes we'll do that. But most of the time, we'll talk about all kinds of, and we never know what we're going to talk about when we sit down, ever. We just really? go and, yes, we never have scripted segments. And he's on for 15 minutes with me every show. And sometimes he'll bring in some stats, like tour stats we did last week, uh, which were astounding, by the way. Uh, um, of how many putts players in the world make from 20 feet, 10 feet, 8 feet, 5 feet. Um, He'll bring in a a stat sheet sometimes like that. Otherwise, we don't ever know what we're going to talk about, and it just kind of comes out. So um, I'm very blessed to be able to do this show and to have met the people that I've met just
0: doing it. So – Take that a step further, Matthew. Are, are there are there players or people on your guest sort of your guest bucket list that you're dying to get an opportunity to talk to?
4: You know, it's it's funny. There, I don't I don't even I don't often think of that. But a lot of people think that the way you get things <laughs> that the universe will somehow bring you things if you focus on certain things, good and bad. I should mention. <laughs> um I think I think if I had a bucket list of course it would start with um one of the young guys Jordan Speeth or Justin Thomas um either one of them I would love to talk to because I'm absolutely fascinated by what's going on I think we're in another golden age of golf here with these all these young guys some of whom we haven't even heard of yet that in the next 2 years Will come out of nowhere and be like a Justin Thomas. Um, so I would think they would be pretty much right now at the top of my bucket list. Um, the one guy that I always wanted to talk to and never got a chance to on the show. Now, I've, again, I've met, I sat at a table with Arnold Palmer for a half hour. Um, I've been incredibly blessed in, num- in terms of the number of golfers that I've been able to meet and talk to. Cause I played in all these celebrity charity events and that opened me up to a whole world of, cause golf, as you know, is the great equalizer, not only golfers, <laughs> but athletes that we all want to play golf. We all want to be good at golf. We all want to beat each other at golf. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but you do a great show about the NFL and I, uh, if doing. I have, I apologize, but I'll, I'll talk maybe to your listeners who haven't heard it. The very first celebrity golf tournament I played in was in 1988, I think. And it was Payne Stewart had a celebrity tournament at Grand Cypress in Florida. And I was very nervous and I went down and I went to play a practice round on the Friday morning of the weekend. And the guy at the club said, "Um, I'll take your bag, your cart's over there and there's somebody already on the cart that I was going to play with. And I walked over and I looked at the golf bag and I turned the tag over and it was Bart star. Wow. And I didn't, I was so freaked out and he wasn't <laughs> even around. I was so freaked out that I really didn't know what to do. And I got in the cart. he came over he, and he, of course he introduced himself to me like, I didn't know who he was. He said, hi, I'm Bart Starr. <laughs> but, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> uh, and in, when we got in the car and drove to the first tee, he he was the most wonderful guy. And he started immediately asking questions about acting.
3: Uh,
4: and it turns out that I think it was a son, may have been a daughter, but I think it was a son that was very interested in becoming an actor at the time. So he he was genuinely interested in my career and what I had done and how I got to that point and all. And I just had the most. But every time I would turn around in the car the whole day and look at him, I would turn back and look the other way and think to myself, that's Bart Starr I'm talking <laughs>
3: to. That's
4: Bart Starr. Um And so, uh, my bucket list would include athletes right now, I think. I'd actually love to talk to Tony Romo about golf. I've Mm. become a big Tony Romo fan, and I'm a giant fan in the world. But I really like Tony Romo, even though I hate the Cowboys. (laughs) Um, He's a great golfer, so I I would love to have him on the show. And the other part of my bucket list right now, is are the women um the solheim cup this past weekend and I, again i'm lucky enough to uh dotty pepper is a very good friend of mine um i would love to talk to some lexi thompson would be absolutely on my bucket list um there are so many great stories on the lpga and if if your listeners watched at all the solheim cup this past weekend um I don't I don't know if you if you've ever been to an LPGA event or but it is so much fun going to an LPGA event and watching these women play they're unbelievable and it we almost can relate more to them than the PGA tour because now some of them hit it pretty darn far now but the 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 beauty of their swings the ease and the grace that they use because growing up they couldn't hit it. That far, it's really a great thing to see. So I would say I, they would be on my bucket list now too.
0: And as you talk about, you know, Dottie Pepper and, and some of the ladies from the LPGA and the LPGA Legends Tour, you have an opportunity, right? Every year you go up to, you know, our good friends at the at the French Lake Resort and and get to be a part of the fantastic tournament that they put on, right?
4: Yes, and I'll tell you, I'm glad you brought that up. I love that I'm on the French Lake segment We are so <laughs> uh, it's one of my absolute favorite places in the world, and I've played all over. It is There are very few places better than that resort. Um, two unbelievable hotels, great, Pete Dye and Donald Ross Golf Course is a 51,000-square-foot casino. Uh, and that the senior LPGA, the legends who have been there for a couple of years, now there's an actual senior LPGA event. Um, that was fantastic this year the first time that's what i'm talking about to see the women and there's something about how grateful they are that there are a lot of guys that are grateful about their careers but for some reason the women that have played on the lpga tour to see them interact with galleries is really something to behold i mean and um, people like Laura Davies and, and Julie Inkster, the captain of the Solheim Cup, um, who I've spent time talking to. Just, they're just amazing. And if anybody ever gets a chance to get to an event at French Lick, it's a great few days between the hotels and the golf and, and, uh, those great players. It's, it's just fantastic.
0: Matthew, I want to get your thoughts on the PGA Championship, and uh, you know, I was listening to uh, to your show as you were know, doing the weekend of, and you and Perry French kind of talking back and forth, and and you picked a guy who was in my foursome to win every major, and that's Louis Eustace. And You know, he he very yeah. nearly pulled it off. He got he's got the Grand Slam now for second place finishes yeah. in majors yeah. <laughs> on on top of his Open Championship back in 2010. But t- talk about why did you pick him and what were your thoughts from PGA?
4: Well, I, I, you know, I just was, I knew, first of all, as great as Kevin Kistner played and as great as Chris Stout played, uh, which made Perry French very happy because those are both tricks on guys. He
3: was really happy.
4: <laughs> um, as great as they had played up till that point, I just felt like there were so many guys that were close and that golf course was so difficult that Somebody, This was the prediction I got, right? Somebody was going to post a score earlier, and those last three holes, I mean, have you ever seen three more difficult holes to finish? Right. Especially a major championship. I just felt like that pressure, if somebody was trying to reach a number, was going to be too much for Kisner and for Chris Stroud. Um, I think both of those guys at some point might win a major. And I just, Louie is just... He's one of my favorites. Um, I was hoping he would—he wouldn't finish second to,
2: to get that Grand
4: <laughs> Slam. But uh, I don't know about you, Chris, but if somebody said to me you could have anybody swing in golf, who would it be? I would pick Louis' swing, and I just yeah. thought it would hold up—it would hold up the best during the final round. And he had won a major, and I just—you know—really liked him. Now, having said that. Um, I mentioned before about the golden age of golf that we're in right now. And I mean, what Justin Thomas did, that, that then, and the, I mean, all these young guys, to think about those last. I hear, how about this, Chris? And I said this on my show. In that situation, going to the 17th hole, that 220 yard par three, I think there had been some ridiculous number like nine birdies total. On that, some ridiculous number, for him to take a five iron. I mean, he's four foot one and he weighs eighty pounds. (laughs) uh, You know,
3: (laughs) Um,
4: for him to step up to that tee on the on the seventy first hole of a major championship and hit that five iron the way he did, and then make that putt on seventeen to give him more of a lead. I I was it, it just I sat there with my jaw. Down to the floor, the whole time. And then, yes, he had a couple of shots to that he could play around with on 18. But you know, he had a very tough shot out of that bunker. He was just unbelievable, and um, it was a great championship. And it's just it, this is what's going to happen. Think about all the great, the
3: talent
4: of all these players. Every major now, um, mm-hmm. we had it uh, for a while. Um, I don't. I love all the old guys. I love Jack and Arnie and Gary Player and all the old guys. But I don't think we've ever, ever in golf, seen as many guys capable on any week of a major championship of winning. I mean, look at look at Matsuyama. I mean, look at these guys that are on this tour now, and they're all really young. Rory is like the old man on the tour,
3: now, <laughs> which.
4: You know, it's like, oh yeah, him, he's, you know, he's, it's almost, um, so I just think the PGA was fantastic. And that's, that's my least favorite of the four majors. I think a lot of people would say that, but this right. one was really, really something.
0: So as you mentioned, Justin Thomas and his stature, does, does it drive you crazy? Like it does me to see again in in real life, he's, he's at least listed on the PGA Tour at com at 145. But he hits the ball nine yeah. miles. I can't figure yeah. out how guys that size can hit the ball that far. It makes me nuts.
4: Well, uh, you know, <laughs> it's really funny because talk about this. And my stock answer is I hold my right hand about a foot behind my right hip straight down and my left hand, a foot behind my left hip. And that area is known as the hitting zone. And, it, and it's all physics. I just, This is what I say. It's all physics. It's all that snap at the ball that I have never in 32 years of playing golf I have never felt not one time not mm-hmm. once that's and that's that's apparently how all these cuz he's not the only one I mean Jordan Spieth is tiny there aren't it's not like these are big guys you know Brooks Kepka is like a giant compared to these <laughs> other guys and they're hitting 300 yards 3 woods you know, I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't know how they do it. And yes, in answer to your question, it does drive me insane. Absolutely. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but I'm so 40 what, years wanted, older than these guys, too, Chris. So, yeah. Indeed. Well, wow, <laughs> I'm with you. So
3: yeah.
0: One I, I want one other thought I want to get from you on, on the PGA. What did you think of the disaster that Jason Day made at the 18th hole on Sunday? That, that was sort of a head scratcher to me. I couldn't figure out what, what are you thinking?
4: Yeah. Well. Um, I said this too. Here's the thing. These guys routinely, like when you and I hit it in the, in the, behind the, into the trees, like my first thought is, I'm lucky if I'm making a bogey here. Like mm-hmm. I got to punch out. I got to then, if I can get to the green, you know, and you start thinking, well, these guys routinely save par from situations like that. When he got behind that tree and he looked, he showed what he was going to try to do and he defended it afterwards too, there wasn't any place for him to go with that shot, even if he hit a perfect shot. It wasn't like there was one tree in front of him and he tried to bend it around the tree. There were trees all the way down the right and tents over on the right and I had no idea what he was looking at. That's what I couldn't understand. Right, and After after that, it was just I loved, by the way, that when that whole fiasco was over, because he wasn't going to win. And for these guys, they don't care about finishing second. I mean, they got more money than they can ever spend. Most of them in that position, they're not trying to. Well, now I got to finish third, because he obviously realized he wasn't winning anything. He when he walked off that green after making a big number, he was smiling. He was laughing. I mean, um, I, I I have no idea what he was doing there, none. To this yeah, day, and, I don't know what he was doing.
0: And I, neither do I. And and in that in that situation, I felt the same sort of I had the same thought that I've had many times watching Phil Mickelson play. You know, I I was really yeah. trying to get into the head of the caddy because for 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 many tournaments, I kept rooting for Bones when 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 Phil would ask for the driver to break the driver over his knee and hand him an iron. Right right so yeah. i was thinking i was i was thinking you know the caddy in that point you know hand him a wedge or hand him a you know a 5 iron so he could punch it out and and just take the bag and start walking i right? don't let yeah. them do that. but well you
4: know. that you know it's it's interesting because that is what happened with rory and jp his caddy that's right. why they parted ways because rory felt like the decisions he was making um He was getting too upset with JP, and he wanted to to take all the responsibility on himself. He had too much respect for this guy that not only had been his caddy, but his friend for so long that he couldn't do it anymore. And I kind of think that, you know, these caddies there, and by the way, you say it, Bones has been fantastic on the coverage now that he's doing TV. And I always wondered, I always wondered why more golf telecasts didn't use former caddies. Those are the guys that n- not only know the players best, but know what their thinking is when they're out on the course. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I I, I don't know what what his caddy said to Jason Day, but what do you say? Well, are you out of your mind? How about when Jordan <laughs> speaks how about when Jordan turned to his guy and said, you just go over there and Sit down and watch me. I mean, he actually he actually said that to him right before he hit some unbelievable shot. Um, you know, I, I, these guys are they're just it's a different game, Chris. It's a whole different
0: game here with these guys. <laughs> so let's talk competition, but not at the pro level. Talk you and Mitch, your yeah. brother Mitch.
3: Who's who's
4: yeah. who's better? Oh, me. I mean, I, I'm right? not even close. No, I'm just kidding.
3: <laughs> I like to
4: say it just to hear the sound of it. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, the funny thing is, and my Mitchie, as I like to call him, now plays Hickories and has for probably six years now, maybe longer. And so it's kind of not a fair fight in terms of, of, cause he doesn't really keep, sc- I mean, he keeps score, but not really. And that's a whole other discussion we could have. But it's very funny. We're identical twins. He started playing way before I did. And um, there was a time, I think, obviously, but I used to be, I was pretty good uh, for a few years there. And so was he. And as we've gotten older and it's been harder for us to play and families and all the things we go through, it had been a while since he and I had played a round of golf together and he came up a couple weekends ago to visit and to see my sons his nephews and we went out uh to Kearney Hill which is my home course here it's an unbelievable course and it's a links course and it's perfect for him with his hickories and all his crap you know the old stuff you know <laughs> you know all that uh did I say that I didn't mean it I don't mean crap anyway, <laughs> anyway um, we have very different swings. We always have had, even though we're identical twins. Problems in the swing are exactly the same. And I saw it again when we played a couple of weeks ago and it's quite fascinating. If you can get past the part where, where we hit a bad shot, it's really bad. If you can get <laughs> past that I always I we were talking about it and it's it's actually pretty funny. We both do the same things when when something goes wrong with our swing, um, and it's fascinating to me. But uh, we our competition on the golf course. We never really had a competition that way on the golf course. Um, you know, we would just play and and you try to do the best you can. But uh, um, i this is all crap. I'm a lot better than him. I don't even know what I'm <laughs> talking about. Um, um, have, that was all. Have I you ever up. played hickories with him? He sucks, and I'm really good. Um,
0: uh,
4: actually, I went down to visit him a few months ago, and we went out to, I want to say Glendornick in Myrtle Beach. And I played. We didn't take my clubs. I just played out of his bag with the hickories, and it was fantastic. And as a matter of fact, I told him that over the winter, I'm going to assemble a set of hickories, and next season in the spring, when we start playing again, just sent me, I just got three um, clubs from him and I'm awaiting the two woods that he's sending me. And I'm wow. going to start now. Yeah. I'm going to use the, uh, I have a spade mashie and uh, two other things. And I'm going <laughs> to use them this, this Sunday when I go out to play and just kind of fool around with them and get a feel for them. But, You know what the great thing is, Chris, for all of us that play that aren't as good as we used to be and we still get frustrated because, you know, you hit, you can't hit a shot that you used to be able to hit. When you play hickories, that goes away. It really does. You don't care about the score anymore. You're just out there taking shot by shot and enjoying being out on a golf course and being with people you're playing with. It, all the competitive stuff goes out of it. I've found, and it's what Mitchell has found, when you use hickories and you're just playing with hickories, and you still hit shots. And when you hit, you know, the sweet spot on a on a hickory club, and the ones Mitchell plays with are 100 years old. Wow. Um, the the sweet spot on one of these clubs is the size of a pinhead. It's not like clubs now. And so when you hit a good shot with with a hickory. The feeling is just unbelievable. And it can it carries you through. You might hit not such not a great shot the next time, but the your enjoyment level goes way up is what I'm saying and uh I can't wait to to play with a full set of them. It's really cool.
0: Just a couple
5: more oh, Matthew. Uh, by, be... the way,
4: by the way, yes? by the way. Mitchell told me and this is amazing, um you should get him back on and let him talk to you about this. He is going to play in the World Amateur Championships, which are in Myrtle really? Beach at the the 28th of August for five days, I think. 3,000 golfers from all over the world will descend on Myrtle Beach. I think it's 3,000. He MCs the big dinners and stuff every year, so he's never played in it. Well, this year, he's... Um, the two guys, Charlie Reimer and Damon Hack from the Golf Channel, are going to do the scene. So he didn't have that to worry about. He decided he was going to play this year, and he will be the first guy playing hickories in the history of the World Amateur Championship, which is 35 years old, I think.
3: He's going to be wow. the first
4: guy to play hickories. It's very cool. Very yeah, cool. when is that event? I want to say the 28th of August until the 3rd of September or something. I might, mm. the dates might be wrong, but it's pretty I think it's next week. It's pretty soon. Okay. All
0: right.
4: Yep. So we'll try to catch and up that's with
0: my brother Mitchy. Yeah. 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 So a couple, a couple more Matthew before we let you go and I, one you got to clarify for me. I saw a picture of you and Mitch from a couple of years ago and you're wearing a Stanley Cup Champions t-shirt. I can't quite make out the logo, but if I had to guess, I would say it's the Chicago Blackhawks t-shirt, but I thought, what in the world would Matthew be doing wearing a Chicago Blackhawks, Blackhawks okay. t-shirt? Is, is that what l- it is? L-
4: l- yeah, it is. And I'll explain to you about that shirt. Okay? <laughs> Above all, Chris, the only thing important to me is how cool I am. That's the only <laughs> thing that means anything. Now, I've been a, I've been a New York Ranger fan my whole life,
3: and right. I'm a diehard
4: Ranger fan. But when Blackhawks won that title in 2015 i think i actually I actually got that t-shirt when i went to do uh kentucky played i can't remember who we played but we played in the united center in chicago that year and i went up and i did a show my pre and post game shows from this bar in chicago and uh they i they were selling these it's from that bar and they were selling these T-shirts, and I have a lot of friends in Chicago, and I thought, I'm going to get this T-shirt, and I'll wear it just to fool around with my friends and stuff. So I don't <laughs> know what picture you saw, but it's very cool. And as I said, that's the only thing that matters to me is that I'm cool. So that's, that's the reason for wearing it.
0: <laughs> very nice.
2: <laughs>
0: Our mutual good friend, Tom Patrick, is also... a a very big fan of Seve and got to spend some time working with Seve. But, you know, talk about what was it about Seve that you admired so much?
4: You know, uh, it's a great question, Chris. And um, I think his and this was before I really knew anything about him. I just saw I was I had seen him play. And back in, in the 80s, which is when I started playing golf, Sevy was at his most swashbuckling uh fixated on how handsome he was how cool he was and the magic that he performed on a golf course all wrapped in one package um and uh, ever since the first or second time I saw him play I just fell in love with the guy I thought his 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 fist pumps when he won things his um and later on when he was you know with the Ryder cup and i just there's something about him that he was like an old-time movie star to me that was a magician with could do anything with a golf club and um as a matter of fact when the first email address i got which used to be with AOL, I think, when I got my first computer, and you have mail or whatever it was. <laughs> was um, it's still the same one that I have now, and it contains Sebi's name um, because I he's just I've loved other golfers, but never to the level that I idolized Sebi. Um, I always did, and I I still do, and you put me in touch with Tom, uh, as you said. And what a guy! And and I thought that, but then I saw a picture of him actually working with Sevi, and that was it for me. I mean, Tom Tom is like he's it for me now because he actually worked with Sevi. I'm like, you know, I don't even know who to compare that to as an actor. Who that would be like? I guess you know some actor that worked with I don't know Alfred Hitchcock or so I don't know somebody, but Tom is. Tom is the man
3: to
0: me. Yes, he is. He's a fantastic yeah. guy. So, Matthew, before we let you go, talk about, you know, who, who you've got coming up on your shows, you know, and remind our listeners how they can stay in touch and follow you uh, both online and over social media. Well,
4: uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ML on WLXG. Uh, and that you can also listen to the show, as Chris said, WLXG.com. Uh, and you just hit backspin golf every Sunday morning at 8.03. Um, and I'm not really sure who I'm going to, it's Tuesday already, but I'm not really sure who's going to be joining me this week. Um, I'm trying to work out being able to talk with Dottie Pepper, because um although we talk, I, it's been a long time since I had her on the show. And now that she's with CBS, they have a policy that, you have to clear through them uh, any of their talent to be on another network. So, it was easy. When she was with ESPN, I would have her on, you know, a lot. And now I have to go through these channels and everything. So, I'm trying to figure out a way. I'm waiting to hear if I can have her, because there's so much. She's doing a great job uh, on the PGA Tour. and and, uh, So, I might have her on this weekend. I'm not really sure, but that's I always have somebody interesting, as you know. Some <laughs> wacky, wack job will join me every Sunday <laughs> <on> for <Paxford> Vexpress.com.
0: <Golf. laughs> that's a heck of a promo right there. I think you should play that. Yeah. Uh,
4: Get yeah, them to play that. You know, I actually, if you, if you could cut that up and send it to me, I'll use it for my <laughs> show. <Yeah.
0: laughs>
3: oh, oh, Matthew, boy.
0: You you have absolutely become not not only one of my favorite guests, but just one of my favorite people in general. I always have so much fun when you and I get the opportunity to spend some time together and talk. And there's a thousand other stories I'd love to ask you about. Hopefully, you know, you'll come back and, and join me, whether it's on this show or maybe on the football side, get your thoughts on Kentucky football, as you mentioned at the top. So uh, we, you know, just love spending time. With anytime. Friends, my friend.
4: I told you, Chris, anytime. Um, you're one of my favorite people ever. and. Anytime I can join you, I'd love to do it. I appreciate
0: that. I appreciate that very much. Take care, my friend. We'll catch up again real soon. Thank you so much. Okay, pal. See you. All right, folks. Before we close up shop, you know we always like to close out the show with a reminder from our friend and PGA Tour Pro, Jim Estes, about all the great things that they are doing over at the Salute Military Golf
5: Association. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, We've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating, or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, Visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. If you're looking
1: for a great place for your annual golf outing, a weekend golf getaway, or just a round of golf with your buddy then Salt Creek Golf Retreat is just what you're looking for. Centrally located in Nashville, Indiana, just south of Indianapolis and west of Cincinnati, this challenging but fair 18-hole golf course appeals to all skill levels, and its scenic views of rolling hills and tree-lined fairways are sure to make golfing memories for years to come. Owned and operated by former Purdue and New York Giants fullback Randy Manier, Salt Creek Golf Retreat offers stay-and-play packages that include golf and a fully furnished one- or two-bedroom condo. After your rounds, be sure to stop by the 19th hole sports bar and restaurant for great food, fun, and drinks. Randy and his staff will treat you like family. For more information, log on to saltcreekgolf.com. That's saltcreekgolf.com. Or give them a call at 812-558-5944. Salt Creek Golf Retreat. Start making your golfing memories today.
0: Yeah, Randy Manier and the great staff up at Salt Creek Golf. You know, uh, you want to talk about a fantastic place, folks. Boy, what a wonderful, you know, set of, you know, condos that they've got available up there for your stay and play packages. The golf course is fantastic. And Randy and his staff are second to none. Saltcreekgolf.com. Check it out online to see how great a place it really is. All right, thanks, Paul. Par bar energy and focus on the course is essential whether you're playing, you know, on tour in the club championship or your weekend four ball with your buddies. Par bar golf, you know, the, the golfer's nutritional bar is absolutely going to help you maintain focus while you're out playing in whatever event you're playing in. Eat some of it on the first tee, the rest of it every three holes until you're finished. You're going to play with more energy and more focus and be able to win. Par bar was developed by a lifelong golfer and a food scientist to help all golfers play their best. Go online to parbargolf.com and order yours today. Folks, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to the show tonight. My thanks to Eric Meeks and Matthew Lawrence for joining me tonight. And, uh, boy, I, I really hope you enjoyed the show. If you enjoyed it half as much as I did, then we're really doing something. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the T with Chris Mascaro. You know, give us your feedback. If you happen to have a question for one of our future guests or someone who's been on the show previously, we'll be glad to get that out and in their hands for you, get the answer for you if we can. Please go online to our website, NextOnTheTee.net, to see who some of our future guests are going to be any of our archive episodes from uh, for free from there. Please also check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host, Bob Lazeri, our announcer, Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time on Blog Talk Radio. That show, like this one, is also available as a free podcast, both on tunein.com and on Podbean, who have been so fantastic to us, you know, featuring both shows right there in their sports and recreation section. So please check out Podbean. They've got you know, podcasts from every genre that you can possibly think of on podbean.com. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories from their playing days and sharing their insights into what's going on around the NFL. We also highlight two players doing great things in their communities. In our Spotlight on the Positive segment, folks, 99% of the guys playing in the NFL or the NFL alumni players do great things for charity, you know, either their own foundations or charities around the country. You know, We, we all know about the, the headlines about guys getting themselves in trouble, but 99% of them are doing fantastic things and we highlight two players. every single week. You can find us online at this show next on the net, and Thursday night tailgate.com folks. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you've got thousands of podcasts that you have you know, available to you. We really appreciate the fact that you are making next on the T One of them until next week. Hit them straight. My friends. <laughs>
5: You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Christmas Carol, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros, and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Saturday to hear more stories.